0: Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran, a ministry of Worship Generation Church in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible.
1: We're searching for the problem so we can rescue the situation and complete the process. Well, it was pretty obvious. Croathites carrying the the ark on poles. Now, it's not always that easy for all of us why maybe our walk's not good with the Lord. Maybe our marriage isn't good with the Lord. Maybe our relationship with adult kids is not good with the Lord. Maybe our relationship at work's not good. Our relationship with these neighbors is not good. Uh, There can be all kinds of things that have stalled that work of the Lord in our life. And the answers to incomplete things that are meant to be complete with the Lord from our life, they're going to be found by being still before the Lord and being in the word of the Lord. And he will give us the answers. Sometimes it'll be obvious, like the Kohathites carry the ark. But sometimes that still small voice will illuminate a text and will be the key and the code to solve the Rubik's Cube of your unresolvable thing that you let stop you. And is now defining you. I promise you in Jesus' name that whatever God has called you to do, and no matter how complex the failure or the stalled element of that work is, I promise you if we make time for the Lord and seek the Lord, the mind of the Spirit will give us, identify the problem and show us the plan for the solution. He did so for David, and he'll do it for us. And when you think about motivation for solving problems and going forward, because the world's People that go after more money, they solve problems, they get paid to solve problems, so they're motivated to solve problems, they get more money because they're problem solvers. But really, we have problems and we find solutions because we're motivated by eternity and the glory of the Lord. And Colossians says that whatever we do, we do it with all of our heart is unto the Lord. So our motivation for not just giving up and quitting is because we serve the Lord, and he's called us to do it. So we need to figure it out. We're not trying to figure it out for like some corporation that people have public stock in. And maybe that is your job with the Lord, so that's okay. But we're trying to figure it out because we have one life to live and soon it's going to pass. And only what's done for Christ is last, is going to last. So we need to not just easily abandon. Uh, a goal from the Lord, easily abandoned is just a wish that never took traction. Man, once you know the Lord's called you to do something and you've left it undone, and I speak from my own experience, you got to go back to it you got to find out what it was, fix it, let the Lord give you a plan, and you got to get it. Which brings us to the second point. we got to get it done. I mean, we figure out what went wrong. We come up with a solution to how it's going to get right. And then we just, it, you know, talk is cheap. The walk is everything. Verse 25, it says, David had this plan with all these Levites. And then it says, so David and the elders of Israel and the captains over thousands went to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord from the house of Obed-Edom with joy. And so it was when God helped the Levites who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord that they offered seven bulls and seven rams. David was clothed with a robe of fine linen, as, they were, as were all the Levites who bore the Ark, so they all identified together. The singers, in Ch- uh, Chen and I he was the chief over all, the music master. With the singers, David also wore a linen robe. Thus, all Israel brought up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord with a shouting, with sounds of horns, with trumpets, cymbals, making music, with string instruments and harps. And it happened as the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came to the city of David that Michael, Saul's daughter, David's first wife, who had been given to another man, looked through a window and saw David whirling and playing music. And she despised him in her heart. So on this glorious day, David is playing an instrument and dancing at the same time. I mean, he's just having the day of his life. And give David credit. I don't think, I don't think the Michael thing even was a hiccup or a speed bump driving through the shopping center. I think he just, whatever. Like, God's doing something special. You want to be a part of it, you can be. You want to have some weird thing against me because what your dad did to me or whatever, you can. Right? That's how life is. We need to have joy with the Lord because we have joy with the Lord. And if someone doesn't like us because the way we look or our past or the the hopes of our future, what are you going to do about it? There's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing. You can't help Michael on this day. You just got to enjoy the Lord, you and the Lord on this day. There are always people that will despise your love for the Lord and your joy in the Lord. There are always people that are going to come against your faithfulness and obedience to the Lord. And as you have success and fruit with the Lord, they're going to be against it. They're going to mock it. They're going to be opposed to it. It's like Nehemiah building the wall. They're coming out, Samba and Tobiah, they're coming out to mock the work. Oh, Fox will bring you down. There's always people like that. And you can't give them place in your thoughts, in your heart, your relationships. Or anywhere in your life, this is why it says in Corinthians to take every thought captive and obedient to Christ. Because people like Michael want to get in your head and mess you up with you and the Lord and the joy of that day. You just have to discipline yourself and develop fiber and some thickness of skin to say no. You're no. Ours is the kingdom. Ours is the king, and you just you just you just have a nice little party there in that room. Do your thing because we're doing ours and. There's a, a quite a lesson in that, but of course, contextually with what we're looking at tonight, David was getting the job done. He's taking care of unfinished business, and it's like I said to Jennifer, and I mentioned this has to be like one of the greatest days of his life. This this is just they got it right, and this time they are the champions. Like they're like, we are the champions. Like they are the champions, and he, nothing's going to stop it today, and nothing's going to bring it down. He opens up the financial coffers of the kingdom and everyone's there thousands of people he feeds them it's just this huge food and fellowship he feeds them all it says in chapter 16 that he blessed them all in fact chapter 16 verse 1 says this so they brought the ark of God and set it in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected and set up can you just imagine some of you know this feeling if you have well it's a big deal to graduate high school but it's a bigger deal to graduate college if you've ever walked for graduation in college. I remember watching my dad get his master's degree at University of Virginia in 72. We have one of those family photos. We have thousands of family photos, but this is one my dad, it's kind of blurred, but the things here, the tassel, and he's given a thumbs up. My, my pop worked hard for that master's degree from the University of Virginia, Thomas Jefferson's University. A master's degree in US government, and so later on when he retired from the Marine Corps, he, he taught uh, US government, what he did. He was a landscaper, and then he taught college. I still have his master's degree, the document, you know. There's something really special. When my wife graduated in 2009 from Hope International over there in Fullerton, she was a third year biology major at San Diego State, committed to marry me. I mean, we fell in love. We had a three week you know, like courtship. I asked her to marry me. We were married in March, three months later. By the end of that spring semester, she let go of that dream to be a veterinarian, all all these biological science classes she'd taken, and became a pastor's wife. And for the next 15-plus years, that's what she did, raising our children, church serving the Lord in Vista, planting churches in Virginia and Vermont, coming back, taking care of her mom, dying of cancer, supporting me in guest speaking ministry, all those things that we did. And then once Luke went to school full-time, no longer kindergarten, through the No Child Left Behind back when Bush was president, she was able to finish her college degree, and she walked when she was 40, in her 40s. I just so remember that day. My, the kids appreciate it, but me, because I never did anything like that, I really appreciate it. She had the silver cords, dean's list. Oh, man. I was proud of my kids when they graduated college. But, man, Jennifer, my wife, after 15 years to reboot that file and finish strong and make the dean's list, her silver cords, wow. Man, when you put the ark in the tent that you built for it, that is a lifetime great feeling. When you pick up the pieces of something that you left undone for whatever reason, and God's called you to finish it, and you put in the work. Man, my wife did one class at a time online for like two years. And we have done them together because I learned stuff as she did her classes. We'd be talking about it, and I learned so much. I always remember watching Hotel Rwanda about ethics and the higher law of ethics like even though the u n law is this but the higher law is is a higher law with protecting the the tutsis or whatever you know and and the the moral dilemmas of a higher i just i enjoyed all that with my wife but man when she it was like it was like she brought the ark to the tent do you know that feeling that feeling when you've man when you when you brought the ark to the tent when you've Seen it through. When you finish something that was unfinished, it is the best feeling. When something had stumped you and stopped you and you let it hinder you and you lost the momentum for it, it's such a great feeling. It's a feeling of joy to go get. Now, this, of course, is a spiritual context with the ark and the presence of the Lord. But isn't that really a principle? Because when you and I have something unfinished and the Lord tells us to finish it, is he not with us for it? Is he not going to rejoice when we rejoice? In fact, it says in verse 26, and so it was, God helped the Levites. He helps us. He helps us clean up the mess. He helps us fix the unfinished business. He helps us heal the broken relationships. He helps us get out of debt and get ahead of things and be the head and not the tail. He helps us figure out how it got here and how we fix it. He helps us. He's for us. He's for us when we take care of unfinished business and we commit and purpose to see it through. And I'll just say again, there's a danger of delay when you know you're called to do it. And the longer you delay, the more likely your desired determination will slowly fade. And that's why it's so important that you don't let the verb failure define you as a noun and cause you to give up on that dream, that vision, that goal, that plan with the Lord. I believe in eternity we'll see a lot of things where maybe we did. I I at least think that in my own life. I can't fix anything from the past, but I can definitely take ownership for every good thing for the future. There's people at times as a pastor, I thought, man, I I just so strongly feel this is what God has for them, and they're excited about it, But the longer they thought it through and found obstacles, if you you look for solutions, you find solutions. If you look for obstacles, you find obstacles. And by the way, the second thing people get paid the most for is not just problem solving, but getting things done and quickly. So how much more for the Lord? I don't need the fruit in eternity, man. I mean, in, in the temporal, I want the fruit in eternity. I don't need more money in the bank account, man. I want more fruit for eternity. Don't you? People are motivated by more zeros to get things done. I'm motivated by the blood and the tongues of fire over the blood of Christ over me and the tongues of fire upon my life. And so should you be, because once we're gone, we're gone. And all the earthly zeros get left behind. But the fruit of being under the blood and the power of the Holy Spirit, that's going from glory to glory. And that's that should motivate us to not let desire and determination fade because of difficulties and obstacles and excuses or even lethargiccy, if there's such a word. Just become lethargic and lazy. So many people give up on that upper call of God. It's it's, it's hard to watch. And I have to tell myself, just because I thought it for someone else's life doesn't mean that's necessarily it because I'm not the judge and jury of anyone's life, nor are you for mine or anybody else's. But still, sometimes you think like, man, I just really... Boy, it sure seemed like that was there, and they just—it's like when I was a pro surfer, and I'd surf Pipeline, big, dangerous waves at Pipeline. I'd bring friends there that were really good surfers, and they were trying to make it on tour. And I just knew that when you see Pipeline for the first time, this wave and what it can do to you—it's killed over thirty people. It's just there's no wave like it in the world. It's it's just—it's just—it's terrifying, but it's the greatest thrill in surfing. And I knew that there was a point where someone looked at it too long. You know, you need to look at it long enough to figure out where you're paddling out, what you're trying to do. Man, but if you look at it too long, you're just like, whew. you just talk yourself out of it. This is like, hey, we gotta paddle out. Like, you know, this is where we paddle out, that's the way you're looking for. Stay out of his way, he's black shorts, and just let's go. We got, we got, when we've got the fire and the emotion of the human experience where we know God's saying to do it, we got to do it. And just because there's failure, we got to still do it, figure out what's wrong. Go back there, get the ark, build your tent, go get the ark, and put the ark in your tent to your own benefit and for the witness for Christ, bringing glory to the Father. Finally, the third thing we see, and of course, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So whatever that ark is to get to your tent, Christ is for us. Like we just said, God was with them. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So go get the unfinished business, grab that ark, and put it where it belongs according to the will of the Lord and the word of the Lord for our lives. And the final thing we see is we need to uh, maintain the work. Now, this is an interesting point as we're going through the text on Tuesday night. And I I just... uh, it's something I've been thinking a lot about. We've been talking about this just consistently as we've been going through Chronicles. It seems to pop up consistency, faithfulness, daily obedience and stuff like that. But here in chapter 16, after they fixed, they identified the problem and fixed it, then they brought the ark and put it in the tent. They had this amazing day. But then where do you go from here? Like where do you go from your college degree? Where do you go from this life experience? Where do you go from these things that God worked in your life? Like what's next? Because We're not meant to be defined by a dream of the past. We're meant to be defined by a vision and a goal for the future. That's why, you know, my whole vision of life is always forward with Joy Brand Because it's always forward. I don't want to be identified by you know, winning my first pro contest in 1978. That was my identity in 1978. Or making the Pipemasters finals with Jerry Lopez at 17. In 1978, I was the most inspirational surfer in the world. Hey, that was great when I was 17 in 1978. I don't want to be a 62-year-old guy hanging out in Huntington Pier, drinking coffee, talking about when I was the most inspirational world surfer in the world when I was 17. Do you? No. That was then. This is now. I don't want to be defined by worship generation with Jeremy Camp and Phil Wickham and things like that, Chim Chack and the Day in the Past. I want to be defined by worship generation with Danny and Olivia and the future with what God has for us. With this church and what we're doing in Orange County, what we're doing with missions and what we do on K-Wave and the vision of where we're going with our men's ministry and our men's, women's ministry. With Supper Together groups in May. I want to be defined by who we are and where we're going. So we need to maintain what's been established. And in this text, after this apex high water mark, maybe the best day of David's life, only he would know, but you can nominate it for it. We are told in verse 37 of chapter 16 that David left Asaph and his brothers there before the ark of the covenant of the Lord to minister before the ark regularly as every day's work required. And Obed-Edom with his 68 brethren, including Obed-Edom, the son of Jedethon, and Hosea to be gatekeepers, and Zadok, the priest, and his brethren, the priest, before the tabernacle of the Lord at the high place that was in Gibeon. So there was actually two places where things were being done to continue the spiritual relationship with God for the nation of Israel and the people, but to offer burnt offerings to the Lord on the altar of burnt offering regularly morning and evening and do according to all that was written in the law of the Lord, which he commanded Israel." So contextually, there was a time when the altar was somewhere else, and they're doing the sacrifices, and the ark is here, and they're doing the stuff related to the ark. Two different things. Now, Solomon, David's son, would build the temple and consolidate the two once and for all. In other words, when you've had a great day and you've put the ark in its tabernacle, there's still something greater around the corner for you. There's still more to do. Because at some point, the altar is not going to be there in, the, in the, the Ark of the Covenant here. At some point in a future generation, when David is gone in eternity, like we're gone in eternity, a future generation is going to build this glorious temple. A future generation is going to put this Ark of Altar of Sacrifices in front of it. And they're going to offer up burnt offerings and sin offerings and trespass offerings. And they're going to worship the Lord. Our children's children are going to see something more glorious than we ever saw in our lifetime. For as glorious as the Ark of the Covenant coming to Jerusalem was with David, wait till we read about Solomon and the dedication of the temple, and the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Lord, filling the room like a cloud where they were overwhelmed. It got better. There were bigger blessings around the corner for the son of David. See, this is what we learn in life, that We don't want to lose the momentum of great things God has done in our life. See, we... Each thing that we do is a step of faith with the Lord, each thing that we fulfill as a fulfillment with the Lord, each failure that we go back and fix and learn from and redeem and go forward and put the ark in the tent, each one of these things builds this pattern of our life of being fruitful and faithful and diligent and dependable, and we prosper and we, we thrive with the Lord. And so it's glory to glory. And as we fulfill this thing, we're not moving up the corporate ladder. We're moving up because in, in they talk in the corporate world where you're kinda, you kind of get this upward spiral success going because you got it all going. You solve problems, and you do it quickly, and you're all this and that. Listen, but to where? Like, whoo. Our fruit with the Lord, our faithfulness to the Lord goes like this, and it starts winding up, and it goes like this, and it doesn't dissipate. It's like Elijah's whirlwind that comes from him in glory. That's our faithfulness. When we're willing to embrace those failures and learn from them, redeem them, Finish the job, complete the unfinished business, get after it. We've now done this, so now we can do that. None of us wants to stall our life with the Lord because something's incomplete or we're not willing to make that relationship right or fix these financial problems or do this or do that. It always gets better when we see what's wrong, we admit it, we go after it, we go forward from it, and we become fruitful, and we get better. When the momentum is established with obedience and good things with the Lord, we don't want to lose that momentum. Businesses understand this. Businesses emphasize how long they've been around because it proves momentum. Billabong since 1973. That's staying power, right? Whereas offshore Daystar, they came and went. Beachtown, they came and went. Maui and Sons, they kind of came and went. Hang 10 they're long. You see, like, staying power... When you have success, if you watch golf and the Prudential commercial comes on, managing people's finances since 1850 or something, it's like, wow, we can trust them. Staying power. See, we like that. See, success, maintaining. It. It's like Wells Fargo and at Wells Fargo, like, hey, we've been around since they're robbing stagecoaches. It's that idea that you built momentum and you've survived all the bank failures and all these other things. Staying power goes a long way in the world of men, and it goes much farther in the kingdom of God. So we get things done, we have the momentum of the Lord, and then we continue to build that momentum. We build it by spending time with the Lord. We grow in the Lord. Morning and evening, like it says, we're servicing the Lord, we're spending time in prayer, we're reading the Bible, we're going through the Bible, maybe the Bible in a year, you read through that, you're listening to K-Wave, you're listening to solid music that builds you up, like, you're, you're doing those things. We've got momentum, and we don't want to lose Momentum. Because in the parable of the soils, Jesus talked about the good seed, and one seed never takes depth. It had excitement. It had that special day, but it didn't take root, and so it couldn't withstand the difficult day. Then another one, what's the third one? It was choked out by the cares of this life. Like it was there, but it didn't weed the garden. It didn't maintain the garden. It didn't build on the momentum. So for us, with the Lord in our relationship with the Lord our experiences with the Lord and the success and fruit we have of redeeming things that were unfinished and just in general when we have those victories it builds momentum and it's super important we just don't let it drift away by being content with what was businesses sports what do they call sports franchises good year after year a dynasty What do they call sports franchises that win at once and they're in last place? A one and done. With the Lord, his work in our life should become to look like a dynasty, the kingdom dynasty of the Spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ, his word over our life. I want to let God build a dynasty in our life, the life of the Spirit. And any momentum that we obtain to from here to eternity, I want it to get stronger and stronger through proper maintenance and vision for bigger and better things and ultimately to turn it over to the next generation and give them a chance to run with that momentum. That's what we want to do, especially you older people. We're not just trying to finish the race and get the medal that says, I ran the marathon. We're trying to win because we're told in Corinthians, we run in such a way to win because we run for an imperishable crown. And I want to turn the momentum up at full speed and go right into glory like Elijah, and then pass that relay baton to the next generation and give them momentum that they can run with and go, yeah, fresh legs, and let's see how what they can do. We won't know. David didn't see Solomon build the temple, but David helped him get ready for it. We truly, through the word of God and Jesus being the same yesterday and forever, should see momentum for a greater future than anything we've ever seen in our lifetime with the Church of Jesus Christ. And I refuse to accept or believe anything less than that because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And my vision and our vision is to establish that momentum, maintain that momentum, make it even greater, and pass it over to these next generation of young people, now adults, and the kids that they're having in their journey. And you know, we'll get to eternity. And in time, space, and matter 100 years from now, we'll see how it all plays out. But let's, let's learn from David. It's way too early to quit figure out what went wrong, let the Lord show you how to fix it, get your, get your hustle on, fix it, make it right, and then sustain it and make it better. Relationships, finances, ministry, calling, life as a whole, in Jesus' name.
0: You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Buran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our church YouTube channel. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. For more information about Pastor Joey personally, you can follow him on his Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and God bless.